Will you turn with me again to Matthew chapter 4, please? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. We've been looking, this is part 5 of Sword Fencing with the Devil. If you've missed the first four parts, we're going on to something uh, different this morning in the same study. But what we're going to do is just give you little snippets of a recap because it would take too long and eat into this morning's message for you. And sword fencing with the devil, we're told by the Apostle Paul that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So when we say sword fencing with the devil, it's the Christian to sword fence with the word of God. Because the devil comes to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, after his baptism, the spirit drives him. We looked at the word driveth him out into the wilderness. And then on the other account, it says that the Lord was led out twice. It says he's led out by the spirit. And of course, then Mark says he was driven out. We looked at that and it doesn't contradict itself having time to go into it. Nevertheless, the Lord Jesus has been baptized, declared the Son of God with power by the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the, the, the Spirit takes him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Forty days, forty nights, he's there without food and this temptation comes to him. Now we looked last week at uh, our, our third point, although it was our fourth part and this is what we have looked at, first of all. Everything to do with the temptation here we can find in our own lives, in our own Christian walk. And everything through it is spiritual. So we looked at it spiritually, part one. And then we have also looked at it, uh, secondly, we looked at it physically. How when we are weak and we are tired, how we don't feel that spiritual, do we? And how whenever you're weak and tired, it's like people say all the time, I don't, I don't feel like I'm saved or I don't feel like I'm a Christian and I don't feel just because they're feeling weak or down or whatever it is and it's not your feelings it's your faith and it's already who Christ is and what he has done and accomplished for you that keeps you through those times and we looked at the weakness of Christ in the flesh because he was of course hungry thirsty tired weary 40 days 40 nights in the desert or in the wilderness he was um, uh, with the wild beasts, we're told in Mark's account. So we've looked at that physically, how when you're physically low, uh, that the devil will attack you as well. Then last week, we looked at mentally, how he comes to ply the mind, if thou be the Son of God. And we looked at the, the mental attack last Sunday morning of the devil. So it's been over four point parts, but that's three points uh, we have used over the four parts. This morning we want to look at the next part is scripturally. What do we do scripturally? How important is it for the Christian to be scripturally based? I'm not talking about experientially based. Scripturally based. Now in our, in our lives we do have experiences. And if you give your testimony when you were saved, you're given an experience of when you met Christ. So we're not completely throwing out experience, but experience doesn't save you, and experience will not keep you either. It's the Word of God. See, you were saved when you experienced, encountered Christ as Lord, but that was through the Word of God and the Spirit. 
So the word of God, the spirit brought the experience. So we don't lean on experience, but what the word teaches, what the word says. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, please. And let's just read from verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now what you can write here, uh, I think I said Mark instead of Matthew writes driveth, by the way. Matthew writes driveth. Um, what you can write here is in verse 1, it's spiritually or spiritual. Verse 2, physical. He was hungered. Verse 3, if thou be the son of God, he mentally challenged. And then fourthly, in verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written. Notice, it is written. Write scriptural, scripturally. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now here's the thing we need to look at and be sure in, brothers and sisters. Whenever we say it is written, the word of God will always, always complement itself and the word of God will always be the best commentary upon the word of God. The word of God will explain the word of God. So when it says it is written, what was Jesus saying to the devil when he said this? If I be the son of God, here's his mental twist on the word of God into his mind. But Jesus, of course, says it is written. So where was it written? I'm going to tell you the three scriptures. I mentioned them, I think it was in part one. But I'm going to tell you where they are. And you can look them up when you go home and read them for yourself. Jesus used the book of Deuteronomy from the Old Testament to defeat the devil. People say you can't defeat the devil with the Old Testament. Well, Jesus did. Jesus did. So the first one when he says it is written will be Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. You can read it when you go home. Write it down. So he's basing everything on Scripture. And as we go through uh, another days, God, God willing... The second one where he takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and it's, he re reads out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16, will be the next time Jesus says, it is written. And then when he uses the third stroke of the sword of the Spirit, it is in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. So you write those down. Those are the three strikes of the Old Testament Scripture, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that Christ uses against the old devils or the enemy's attack. Here's something to remember, brothers and sisters. And whether it's, whether it's in the spirit, now I'm a Pentecostal, I'm unashamedly a Pentecostal. I believe in all the manifestation and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'm not saying this against any, any of it because I am fully a Pentecostal. But listen, here's what you should write down in the flyleaf of your Bible. What does not agree with Scripture does not come from the Word of God. And what does not agree with Scripture does not come from God. That's spiritually speaking. 
That's the gifting of the Spirit as well. Now notice, you can never compromise. Pardon me, you can never defeat evil by compromising with evil. We're seeing that everywhere today, aren't we? Let's compromise, defeat evil. And that's in secular level, government level, right down to church level. And you can never defeat evil by compromising with that evil. Because everything outside of that is not in the word of God. They're not standing for God. And so they're not scripturally applying their lives before God. And you can't say, well, we're going to compromise just to win them over. You can't do that. You can never defeat evil by compromising with evil. So when the Lord here in Matthew chapter 4, he's speaking, as I said, spiritually and then physically and then mentally we're speaking. Notice what it says in Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So sometimes when we see, we talk about the devil, it's not Satan personified himself because he isn't omnipresent, but rather it's wickedness of force, wickedness of spirits. Here, the devil himself, I believe, comes to Jesus though. The devil himself entered into Judas Iscariot. The devil filled his heart. So whenever we look at things, whether it's in our uh, in our nation, whether it's in our society, there are things that are there, and there are people who don't realize that there are wicked forces, spiritual wickedness in high places who are driving them, who they are yielding themselves to. And so people don't even realize that. That's why we need to pray to pull down these strongholds. Remember we looked at it last week? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the off what? To the pulling down of strongholds. So what we're going to look at now is we want to look at scripturally speaking. Let me just get my place here. Scripturally speaking. Okay. The Lord Jesus said, it is written. Now the Lord Jesus, according to John chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and was not anything made that was made. And John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh. So, who is this man that the devil has come to tempt? He's the Word incarnate. So, what you have is the Spirit Word, the Word of the Father. And then what you have is the flesh word, the Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness who hangs on the cross to die for us. And then what we have now is from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right through the old covenant to the new, we have the written word. Spirit word, flesh word, written word. Now the written word must be in your heart. Must be in your heart. If you're to defeat the devil and all of his wickedness and wiles in your life. So Jesus is the personification of the word who proceeds out of the Father. So in saying that, have you got that? Everybody's grasped this okay. Now, 
When the prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah says, Isaiah 55 and verse 11. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. Listen to what the prophet says. The Lord says through the prophet, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And you and I know that, and we believe that, and we pray that, and we preach it. Let me just give you another slant on it right now. Let me give you another slant on it. Notice what the Lord says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Now, if Jesus is the eternal word of the Father, if he is the word made flesh, or since he is the Son of God, since he is, then the word of God goes forth through the prophets in the Old Testament, speaks to Israel. Then the word of God is incarnate in flesh in the person of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the word of God, he goes forth preaching the kingdom of God and he hangs and he bleeds and he dies on Calvary's tree for us. But that wasn't the finish or the end of him. He went to the grave and he rose again the third day. And what happened? He ascended into heaven. He is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Isn't that right? The word of God went forth from the Father and it did not return unto him void. Can you see Christ in that? Jesus is throughout all the scripture. So the word now returns unto the Father, the Son of God. Notice here, he says, but it shall accomplish that which I please, says his father. Now, Jesus came to do his father's will, didn't he? And he upheld his father's word. And so he, he done all that the father pleased. He acted as the father uh, acted, and he said as the father said. He spoke what the father told him. And here we're told, the Lord says, but it or the word shall accomplish that which I please. So Jesus came to die, but there I said, for a certain number. And he accomplished everything that his father sent him to do. And he ascended back into glory. Notice it shall prosper to the thing whereto I sent it. So the preceding word is now the prospering word of the father. So now since the word is Spirit word, flesh word in the Lord Jesus. We have the written word. So now the word lives in us. When we're saved, we read the word, we learn the word, we study the word. The word lives in us. And that word does not return unto the Father void when you and I are speaking in the spirit. You grasp hold of this. You and I are the body of Christ church. You and I are the body of Christ on the earth. And so you and I are, as it were, those who have the word of God incarnate in us. So when the devil comes, like the devil came to the Lord Jesus in the wilderness, the incarnate word, you and I 
can say and speak this word. Uh, you get it now? Come on, church, there's too many of us would say, oh, the devil's attacking me. Listen, I know. I get attacked all the time. And if it's not using people to attack you, he physically attacks me or some other way, mentally attacks me, spiritually attacks me, just like we've been studying. I know. But one thing I know is this. I know the word. And I, let me tell you something, Satan. <laughs> let me tell you something. So it is said that, you know, you can see to this day in Wartburg um, Castle in Germany, um, the room where Martin Luther was in hiding after his excommunication from the Roman Catholic Church. And in that room, he was there 1521 to 1522, just for the year. And But when he was in that room, you thought, well, you know, everyone's out to get me. Everyone's out to kill me. The devil surely hates me because he realized that the just shall live by faith. And it's said to this day, there's a stain on the wall from Martin Luther being in there. You know what it is? A pot of ink he smashed against the wall. You know why? He was studying the word and the devil came to him. And started tempting him and trying him. And he lifted the pot and he fired it at the devil. And it smashed against the wall. Now in his studying and in his writing, what he was doing, he was sharpening his sword for what lay ahead. Sharpening his sword, which is the word of God. Studying the word of God. For he knew that he was going to need it for what would lie ahead. Now notice this. In fact, he was, on the, he was hiding from Pope Leo X, who excommunicated him, and Charles V, who was called the Holy Roman Emperor. Let me just go off track for two minutes. I'll not go just for two minutes. And Charles V was the Holy Roman Emperor. They, he was in charge of, uh, he was put in place in the lineage uh, from... Um, Christmas Day, 800 AD, was the start of the Holy Roman Emperor. And that was started by the Pope in Rome. And what it was, it was a military wing. It was a secular wing. But yet they were all of the same faith and religion, the Roman Catholic Church. And what happened was, he now is Charles V. He was over Austria, Hungary, Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, he was married into uh, a so ruler over um, 17 provinces of the of of the of the Dutch. I'm trying to remember, there's so many more. He also then he, he was known as Charles the First of Spain. He was married to. Isabella of Portugal. So he was a, like a, a vassal king over Portugal. And then he had a, he had a son. He was, he's who Martin Luther was hiding from. And what you can see in this is, and I did this whenever I preached on the Brexit messages. You can get Brexit 1 and Brexit 2. We're at a very, very, very dangerous time in Britain at the minute. We're a very dangerous time in Britain. We need to cut ties and set sail. And they just haven't, they haven't the courage to do it. 
Now listen, all through that was the, 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 the European uh, states that were under him also always wanted to fully control Britain, and they did Ireland too. And it's the very map of where the European Union is today. And if you look at that up, then Philip II, his son, comes. Philip II then has, uh, is the one who sends the Spanish Armada. Do you remember that? Do you know who Philip II's wife was? Mary Tudor, Bloody Mary. And when she then is, she, she's beheaded then by Queen Elizabeth I, they wanted to take what was known as Mary's Diary back into Rome and into Europe. And all of that pattern still comes down. And, they, and, and his, his uh, coat of arms, Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, uh, and also Philip II, his son, they had their coat of arms, it says on it, non-sufficient orbis. Do you know what that means? The world is not enough. They wanted to rule. It's a one world government. It's a new world order they were trying for. They wanted to rule all of it. Non-sufficient orbis. And after the, 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 pardon me, the Spanish Armada comes, and after the whole, you know the story there, Christ upon the rocks and very few of them get home, you know, Britain and, and Holland both struck up a medal uh, and a coin with a, a, a church on a rock. He blew, and written in Hebrew, he blew with his winds and they were scattered. And God defended Britain at those times. Even though everybody was against them and the little Dutch Republic. Now, why am I saying that? Because at this time when Martin Luther was in here, Martin Luther was hiding from that, from, from the, all the enemies that were with him, or, or against him, pardon me. And now the devil is showing up in the weakest of his moments when he sat apart and he's going, what, what are you doing? One man against the whole world. But brothers and sisters, do you not realize no matter what comes against you, one with God is in the majority? One with God is in the majority? Listen, at, the other night, at, I think it was a, actually I wrote it down, hold on, I'll tell you. 25 past five in the morning, I wrote this, okay? Because I just jotted it down. I hadn't been to bed. I thought, I'm going to write this. Listen to what Martin Luther says when he's doing his writings. Faith understands that the devil has been conquered, death killed, and heaven opened, but reason does not know it. I want you to get this. This is important. I thought this was mighty because here's a man and he's up against everything, up against so much. Now he's on his own. And he's in a little room and the devil decides. He's in that wilderness place. And the devil decides to come and attack him. Now listen. Faith understands that the devil has been conquered. Amen. Amen. Death killed. Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. And heaven's open to us. Amen. Amen. You aren't sure, are you? Let's do it again. Faith understands that the devil has been conquered. Amen. Death killed. Amen. And heaven opened. Amen. But reason does not know it. I know all of this, Lord. But, but there's so much against me. 
I know, I know this, Lord, but there's so many against me. I know this, Lord, but it's just the devil's against me. But sure, you know he's defeated. Don't you? Take your sword out and cut off his head. Cut him to bits. Here's what Jesus said. It is written. It is written. It is written. He takes out the sword. It is written, slash number one. It is written, slash number two. It is written. The devil leaveth him for a season. The devil cannot stand against the word of God. So while we're here, look, I don't, I worship Christ. I don't worship Martin Luther. But by, while we're here, I thought these couple of things that I'd written down were, they, they, they encouraged my heart at that time of the morning. I wrote, the devil, pardon me, Martin Luther wrote, the devil, that lost spirit, cannot endure sacred songs of joy. Our passions, our impatience, our complainings, and our cryings are, alas, and our woe is me, please him well. But our songs and psalms vex him. <laughs> you know what they do when the devil attacks you? Give him the word then. Start to praise the Lord. Start to praise God. Lift the name of Jesus and exalt him with all your heart. Start to worship him. Give him the word of God. Cut him to bits with it. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This, it is said that when the devil came to him again, Martin Luther, listen, this is the last of Martin Luther, listen. It is said the devil once confronted Martin Luther with a tabulation of his sins. Who do you think you are with this, with that? Look, what about that, Martin Luther? What about that? What about that? What about that? What about this? What about that? Now, Martin Luther's trying to live right before God. This is a man who's pious. This isn't a man who's just willy-nilly going out and sinning because he just does. So please don't get the wrong idea here. Even no matter how hard we try, you know we're all sinners saved by grace, don't you? So he comes with a tabulation of his sins, and Luther asked the devil, Is that all? No, said the devil, there are many more. Martin Luther says, well, put them down. The devil sneeringly wrote them down, and Martin Luther said, is that all you can think of? The devil said, yes. What now? Now, said Martin Luther, right beneath them all, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth from all sin. (laughs) Do you see? He takes out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he cut the head of the devil. Cuts the head of him. So in our lives, how important is it that we should know the Word of God? Brothers and sisters, this is what I've written. Remember this. The devil finds his best allies and weapons within our most inmost thoughts and desires. The devil will come and he wants to find the weapons that he has lie within you sometimes. It lies within who you are and what you think in the negative sense. And he'll come and use it against you. Everything he will use it 
against you. Within this man in the wilderness, the Lord Jesus Christ, within the one whom he came to tempt, who was driven and led by the Holy Spirit after being declared the Son of God with power, the one who stood among the wild beasts, who was hungry, who was weary, who was tired, who was even lonely. The devil comes and the one he comes with, this man in the wilderness was the word of God incarnate. The word that was with God and the word that was God. So brothers and sisters, our best defense against the devil's devices is what? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Now listen, I'm not trying to slant any wrong toward anyone else, so please don't think I am. I personally, I'll speak about me personally, I personally could not sit in a church where they told you stories all day. I'm just being honest with you. It's all right talking about their experiences all day too, but that isn't going to do whenever that's your experience. But what about me when the devil's with me in my wilderness, when he's in my Wartburg castle? What about me? Where do I stand with? What happens when the devil plucks out the things of my mind and heart and starts to show me those things that God has already forgiven me of? How do I defeat that? I can only really defeat it whenever I'm either reading, hearing, or sitting under the word of God. It's the only way we can defeat that. Our best defense against the devil's devices is the word of God. So learn it. Know it. Believe it. And not the land words of the devil. Do you know what it says in Revelation 19 and verse 15 of the Lord Jesus? Read out the chapter when you go home. He comes as a, on his white charger, the second coming of Christ. Do you know what is emblazoned upon him? His name is called the Word of God. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Why does it not say his name is called Jesus? That is his name, by the way. But why does, the, why does it not say that? And out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. What is that sword? It's the word of God. It's the word of God where every man and woman will stand before God and give an account of. It's the word of God that they'll say, well, this is what the word says. Oh, but my denomination said. And I'm talking about any denomination or anybody or anywhere else. But this is, people think that because they're christened and they're sprinkled with water as a baby, that's them saved and on the way to heaven. And that's both Protestant and Catholic. That's not just the Roman Catholic Church, by the way. But there's many people believe that. That sprinkling won't save you. And so it's all the things that we think in our own minds can all be, will all be judged by the word of God and what God has said. So notice this. Here's an old Puritan. Samuel Rutherford said, Satan is only God's master fencer to teach us to use our weapons. 
I'm going to say it again. Satan is only God's master fencer to teach us to use our weapon. So see, every time the devil comes to you or you're attacked, you know what it's for? That you might get your sword out and start to sharpen it, to use it, polish it up. There's some Christians in their sword, if it was in the sheath, they'd go to fight and it'd be like this, it'd be all rusty and stuck. It'd be, I can't get that sword out. It's been that long from you took it out to study it. It's been that long from you took it out to read it. You'd rather read a woman's magazine or... I'm talking to the women, by the way, men. <laughs> what do men read? What my health and fitness men? I don't know what you read. I don't read any of them. Or a man's magazine. You'd rather read them. You'd rather read uh, old stupid men's imaginations, old books. Imagination of men and the imagination of women and fanciful furry tales. And rather than get into the word of God, the living word. Your sword's like that. And the devil comes to you. I'm tempted. Maybe the devil will come in the form of a nice woman to tempt you. Or a handsome looking man. Maybe the devil will come in the form of someone who will cause you to, 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 to be angry. Look, we all, we all have our moments of anger. We all have our temptations. But it's what you do with it. If the word of God is living in you, if you have the word and you're filled to hear with the word of God, there's no more room for the devil to be able to come to tempt you. The sword comes out. Even the simplicity of Joseph running from Potiphar's wife. The word of God tells me, here's this nice, some big, Blonde bombshell comes, you know. <laughs> All right, a dark heard one come. <laughs> Just want to let my wife know I said that on purpose. It's at that point you need to say, I need to flee like Joseph would flee. Do you think everybody else isn't tempted? Or someone comes to you and they say to you, you know, why don't you come for a drink? The pub's open and we're all going to have a great crack, going to have a laugh and you're trying to get on with your Christian life and, and you think, well, you know what? Sure, just go and sit among them. Brothers and sisters, what communion is light with darkness? I was talking to, was it you I was talking to? And it was about not having anything in common, Aaron. We are on the phone the other day, and Aaron was saying to me, he says, you know, from I've got saved, I've not, I don't know what to talk to my old friends about. Isn't that strange? I'm the same. See, all my mates, I was one of those guys who just loved my mates. But see if I ever, and it's very rarely, but I ever bump into one of the old mates, I honestly don't know what to talk to. I, I, I talk about the weather. It's not bothers us. Where are you working now? I ask great. And then I try and talk about the Lord and if they don't want to walk away. But outside of that, I don't even know what to talk to them about. I have no idea what to say to them. You know why? Because we have nothing in common. Because my life is full of Christ. 
And at those moments, it's having the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why don't you come as me and the lads are going to have a good cracker? Or me and the girls are going out on this such and such a party. And you know, when you think, well, I could go and just toot along, yet and listen to all their conquest men, and listen to all their, their foul language, and listen to all their, all, all their, their drinking party songs. And what, what are you going to do? What is there there? And the devil says, come on, come on. So many Christians go, I'll just go for the crack. I'll go for a laugh. That's because you need your sword. And it's written. Wherefore, come ye out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing, saith the Lord, and I will be a father unto you. See? For every avenue of our life, we need to know the word of God. That's just a couple of examples. I'm finishing with this. As Puritan Samuel Rutherford said, Satan is only God's master fencer to teach us to use our weapons. So here's what I'd written below this. Christian, you ready? How sharp is your sword? I'm not a great leader, and that's okay. I understand people can read better than others and understand better than others. But you can listen. On the ply. You can be in the place where the word is taught. Bible study. Church. Where the word is taught. How sharp is your sword? How skilled are you with it? If you never read it or study it or be where it is taught or preached, then you'll be lacking in defense and skill. Your faith will be weak. And the devil comes and he says, Hey, why don't you make those stones and the bread? And you know that's not the way God would have you to go. Do you think Jesus could have made stones in the bread? Who believes he could have done that? I think all of us believe that. But he didn't. Why? Because that's not the way of his father. Why? Because he's the word. And the old devil comes to the word and says, Why don't you do it? Because doesn't the word say it? I'll finish with this. Remember, oh, must be near 20 years ago, Alex and I were only married, and we went to Crete. We're walking along the beach at Crete at night. You know the newlyweds looking at each other's eyes and all? <laughs> and I remember we're walking along, and, you know, life's just great. You know, we're only newly married, and we're walking along and we're all so blessed and happy and, and all these guys are out trying to get you into clubs, you know. You know, they come out into the street and try and coax you in. And this guy came up and he just, he was just a torture. No matter much we said no. And then we said, look, but don't drink. He says, where are you from? Are you from Ireland? I says, yeah, Northern Ireland. And he says, I've never met an Irish man who doesn't drink yet. I says, have you not? He says, I says, well, uh, you've met one now, okay. And I walked away. And he turned around and he says, 
Jesus turned water into wine. I says, he did indeed. I says, we could talk about that wine. What sort of wine it was. I says, but just, I says, just now. I says, Jesus walked in water and I can't do that either. And he went, what? I says, you're, you're saying Jesus turned water into wine. That's the excuse for me to go and drink. I says, well, he also walked in water. I says, and we were right beside the sea. I remember, Alison was all starry gaze still into my eyes. <laughs> I just, oh dear, I have to get my dinner when I get home here. It'll be in the dog. It'll be in the dog. And I remember saying, and the sea was right, he says, I'm not going to try and walk on that either. And he just stood dumbfounded. And I walked away. Brother, sister, even the simplicity of the word, what is in it? You don't need to be the theologian crossing T's, dotting I's, the Greek and Hebrew scholar. All it is is to read it and live it. And live it. Live it. May God bless His word this morning to all of our hearts.